Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about using your iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chen, host of the show. This episode of iPad Pros is sponsored by Agenda. Learn more at www.agenda.com. Or if you highlight text in an email, so if you like highlight the the header, the heading, or the, the subject line rather, if you if you highlight that and then on the, the pop-up menu just choose share and send it to reminders, it automatically includes a link to the email. So welcome back to another episode of Epipros and safe travels to anyone traveling for the Thanksgiving holiday in the United States. I'm thrilled to be joined by Rob Copland in this episode. Rob worked at Microsoft for almost 23 years as an engineering manager executive. He worked on the developer tools for Microsoft, including Visual Basic and Visual Studio. He then shifted to working on some very tablet-first things in Windows, like things for the Windows tablet PCs before the iPad was even a thing back in 2006. And he also worked on Windows 8, which was Microsoft's first unified OS that really was a tablet-first design. During all this time, Rob was heavy into using the iPad and has always had a mobile-first outlook on computing. It is from this very interesting background and perspective that we have this discussion about computing and how he uses the iPad as his primary computer. If you want to support this podcast, the best thing to do is go out and download Agenda, who is sponsoring this episode of iPad Pros. I'll be sharing a bit later in this episode how Agenda integrates with the reminders, but for now, head over to Agenda.com to learn more and get started with this awesome app that I've used for years at this point to produce the show. Another way to support the podcast and get early access to both iPad Pros and Vision Pros is by supporting the Patreon at patreon.com slash iPadPros or by subscribing in Apple Podcasts. My great thanks to everyone that supports the show there. With that, here's my interview with Rob. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Rob. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. I've been uh, looking forward to doing this for a while now, and it's glad we could finally find time before the craziness of the holidays uh, start to come upon us here. Oh, I know. It's it's creeping up very fast. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this episode will be out uh, as everyone's driving to their uh, families uh, cross country or whatever, as, as people do. I'm not sure if that still happens. People driving like 12 hour. As I'm sure some people are doing that. So some people. <laughs> yeah, I'm not this yes. year, thankfully. So, uh, or, you know. No. Thankfully, unthankfully, it's a, uh, it's uh, I, I'd love to be able to go see my family this year, but uh, s- staying home this year. <laughs> oh, sometimes it's nice to just stay home. I, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm traveling uh, to go see my son, but uh, that'll be nice too. So. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, let's dive into. Uh, I guess first up, um, tell me a little bit about who you are and your current iPad setup. What, what's that like these days? Ah, okay. Uh, My name is Rob Copeland. I am a retired software executive and engineer. Um, These days, I'm a writer, a blogger, a sometimes developer, and a traveler, I guess, which includes photography and that kind of thing. I use an iPad, a 2021 11-inch iPad Pro. That's the M1 model. Uh, Cellular, 512 gigs of storage, space gray. Um, with an Apple Pencil and the Apple Magic Keyboard case. And then for my desktop setup, where I also use the iPad, I have an Apple Studio display and uh, the regular Apple Magic Keyboard Magic Trackpad. And then I've got this magnetic stand. It's a, a Chargen Magflot. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've heard good things about those. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah, it's really cool. It, it works really well. It's it's at just the right height to sit next to the studio display. With external display support and stage manager, I've been using it in this way a lot more. Um, mo- yeah, almost every day. So no, yeah, I, at the desk, I love having an iPad. I've got the twelve uh, South Hover Bar Duo. Some Hover Bar Duo. I, I'm not sure what it's called. Duo. I think. Oh yeah, yeah, I saw that one. So, uh, it, but whatever stand you have, it's nice to just have it. You know, eye level as you're working on the big display and. You can, for me, I use uh, right now as we record, you're on the iPad and the full screen FaceTime window. But in other instances, I'll have some other app that's basically I'll have my full screen app there and then all my other windows on my big external. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do something similar. Um, although for me right now, you're on my studio display. <laughs> yeah, because you have to have a camera. I don't have a camera on my external. I've got the uh. Sony Endzone M9 ps5 gaming monitor oh, oh i see ps5 I is see. also hooked up to this monitor uh, as well as the ipad <laughs> oh that's so, cool yeah um, yeah yeah i think it's it's interesting for me because um i i used to use a mac all the time and i never i i tried for a while to have multiple displays with a mac and i just found that distracting and so i i got rid of one of my displays and just went to the single display but now when I'm using the iPad, it's totally different. I love having the iPad next to the display and I use it fairly regularly. And it just, I haven't really sat down to d- figure out why is it that in this, in this, uh, with th- these devices, it's, it's better. I, I don't know. Do you touch the iPad uh, versus using the trackpad, track, track padding over to the iPad when you're on the external? I trackpad over to it. Yeah, I don't you do. Use, okay, so uh, I wasn't sure. Yeah. yeah, some people like to touch the iPad as they use the external with the keyboard and the mouse. But yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I suppose if I had a longer cable, maybe I would pull it off the stand occasionally to do something with the pencil. But I don't have a long enough cable to do that, so I should maybe I should think about that. <laughs> yeah, I've got the whatever six foot Thunderbolt, whatever three or four oh. cable. That was way too expensive, but I'm glad I have. <laughs> yeah, that one is very expensive, but that's probably what I would do if I were going to yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I have everything running through a Thunderbolt dock. So if I did get a different iPad or computer, I could just hook up to this one cable and be off and running. And often I'll plug my um, my iPhone uh, 15 Pro into this cable uh, just to watch, you know, I grab a snack and watch movies on the nice fancy monitor down here. Oh, <laughs> um, nice through the iPhone. You know, it's a it's kind of a it's a weird thing with the USB C. You just oh, let's plug this in and watch something on a nice monitor. It's it's very convenient. You know, I haven't even thought of I haven't even thought of trying that. But it would now work. that you've mentioned yeah, it, the, the Apple yeah. cinema or the studio display. See now, now when we're done here, that's going to be the first thing I do is I'm going <laughs> to unplug my iPad and plug my phone in <laughs> just <laughs> right. see how that works. Yeah. So um, you mentioned you have an Apple Pencil. Uh, does it get much use these days? I have one, but I don't use it that often. You know, it it does for me. And um, when I first bought it, I, I didn't know whether it would or not because I don't draw. I'm not an artist. But there are two main things that I use it for that it works great for me. Um, the first thing is... I use it. Uh, I have two websites. I have just kind of a regular blog, and then I've got this. Um, it's called uh, Rob's Tech Talk, and I I write articles, how-to articles for non-techies on how to use their use their Apple devices, and I do a lot of screenshots. And 
when I'm marking up screenshots to highlight something or to point to something, I just find it way more natural to pull the iPad off the magic keyboard, grab the pencil and, and do those markups that way. Um, and when I'm thinking about articles I want to write, I often want to mind map or outline them. And there again, I use this app called MindNode. And I've just found that for me, pulling my iPad into my hand and using the pencil to mind map and it works really well. It just uh, makes me feel like I'm getting my ideas down more easily than just typing in an outline. So those two things yeah. I, I do quite quite often. So with MindNode, I, I have this app. It's been a while since I've used it. I actually, um, my iPod book I wrote uh, a while ago when the iPod died, um, was all sketched out through a, a massive mind node thing that uh, I look oh. at it just like an inner web of just craziness, uh, lots of notes and stuff in there. But um, I'm trying to think. So the Apple Pencil within Mind Node, are you able to like draw lines between things, and is it converting handwritten text to typed or? It's converting handwriting to text for okay. the nodes. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't really. I, I've sent them some feedback because I'd like to have it support some of the things you just mentioned. It'd be nice to be able yeah. to do some of the annotation and line drawing between nodes. But as far as I've seen, it doesn't really support that. It's more just I can select things, I can write the text, and that works That works really well. Awesome. So um, tell me a bit more about your background. Like You're retired now, but what kind of jobs have you had in the past? You mentioned both engineering and EN programming. Um, yes. And then when in this, did, did the iPad enter your life into retirement or was it uh, you kind of discovered it while you were working? Ah, well, it it entered my life while I was still working. I um, I worked at Microsoft for almost 23 years as a an engineering manager executive. Most of the time I was there. Is that like managing um, teams to like make sure this project finishes on time, but you also have the background as a developer to to kind of yeah, help yes. out? Yes, it, well, it, was, well it was managing the development teams. Mm -hmm. So uh, half of my time, my first half of my career there, I worked on developer tools. I worked on Visual Basic, Visual Studio, uh, those sort of things. Um, second half of my career, I worked on Windows. Okay. And interestingly, the first part of that, I worked on the tablet PC and ultra mobile PCs. And this was in like 2006 before the iPhone yeah. even shipped. Yeah, that was an interesting and, time. I remember uh, people oh, yeah. making like the mod book out of Macintoshes to try to, and then Microsoft, of course, was was working on this stuff well and in, in, in advance of all this. Yes, stuff, yeah. yes, yes. It was it was really Bill a fascinating Gates time. Is, uh, kind of pet project. He Bill Gates always, I think, had a fondness for this form factor for the tablets. Yes. yes. Yes, absolutely. And uh, yeah, so that was it was I, I remember when the first iPhone came out and I got one while I was at Microsoft still, yes. of course. And of course, we were all like, wow, this is I mean, it was just so beyond uh, the state of the art at the time that uh, it was it was pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, I we did we did projects like ultra mobile PCs where this was before the iPad and any of that, but trying to come up with basically mobile computers that you could carry around with you and were connected and always on. And, and uh, of course, in those days, 
at least for us, the hardware wasn't there. The battery life wasn't there. The form factors weren't there, but, but it was fascinating to work on those sorts of things. And after the tablet PC, I, I worked on windows eight, which of course was the first touch, really the first yeah, touch the Metro version of, UI of everything. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. And, and so I, I had a that, windows phone seven back in the day, some kind of Nokia. I, I actually, I, I had one just to kind of play with and I had it activated for a little bit. Uh, also the, you know, Palm pre kind of, I was just playing around with all sorts of different, uh, Devices and the Windows Phone, it was delightful. The, I, I kind of wish that oh. kind of survived. Um, yeah, yeah, me too. I, I, of course, being there, I had yes. lots of <laughs> lots of <laughs> different win- Windows phones, and and yeah, there were some really really cool ideas and well implemented ideas. I, I thought yeah. at the time, um, and that was one of the interesting struggles when we were working on the tablet and PC side of things. Is these were completely different teams and different approaches at Microsoft. There was the Windows team, there was the phone team, and and uh, yeah, trying to get ideas and uh, technology back and forth when you're in a very large company like that sometimes is challenging. Yeah, uh, and I know but, Apple's yeah. approach is they're secretive until they're not, and then the whole company is kind of like working together on stuff, yeah. Yes, yes, that's what <laughs> it seems like, and uh, that's, that's given them really good results. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so while all of these things, uh, while I was working on all of these things, you know, that was in, say, 2000, 2006 to I started working on Windows 8 in 2009. Mm-hmm. iPad came out in 2010. Um, I got the first iPad. Of yeah. course, I just had to. I've, I've been I've been kind of a a believer in this m- mobile first way of doing computing s- forever. So yeah. um, and. I, I just have to say, I was hooked right away. It was like, this is the device that when, when we were working on some of these things that we dreamed about, really. I mean, it was thin, it was light, it lasted all day on a battery, you could do all kinds of things. The, the, the touch screen was so much better than anything that had been out before. Yeah. Zooming in and out on the Maps app in 2010 on the iPad was just like a delightful thing. It's like, whoa, this is... <laughs> yes, yes. It was, it was, it was amazing. So, so yeah, I, I was hooked from right away and I've had iPads ever since then. And, and, and even early on trying to do as much as I could on it because it just felt like the future to me back then. It just, uh, and obviously there were lots of things you couldn't do in those early days, but, uh, I was going to try, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. definitely. Yeah. So. Yeah. What what have been some of your favorite iPads over the years? I should ask. Uh, you know, I I remember having an iPad Mini that I just loved at the time. And what have been some of your favorites? Yeah. So, well, obviously the first one, just because it sort of opened the door to all of this. Um, and yeah, I had the first one, the second one, the third one, <laughs> <laughs> and then I got a Mini. And I, just like you, I thought, oh, this is this is wonderful because it was so much lighter and so I had a couple of minis for a while and used that. That was the only iPad I had. Yeah. And I thought, this is it. This is it's all like, I oh, need. it fits every screen size. Oh, they just made everything more dense. So it fits the same amount of space on there. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It was just, it seemed so great. And so, yeah, that was one of, those were some of my favorites. Um, and then when the first iPad Pro came out, the 9.7, 
or well, I guess the first pro was probably the, the 12.9. Yep. That was too big for me. So the, yes. when the 9.7 <laughs> came out, I got that. And then I thought, okay, now, you know, now we're really talking because the extra screen space felt, even though it was basically the same, just bigger. Um, it, it with a keyboard that actually could attach to it and I could carry it around and treat it more like a laptop when I wanted to. Um, that was probably, that was one of my f- favorite in that it felt more like a computer in various modes than the right. other ones felt. It was more, more like modular because you could just yank off the yes. keyboard. And yeah, the, the 10.5 inch Epic Pros, my favorite home buttoned iPad because the, the side bezels are so thin. They're thinner than the current iPad Pros, the side bezels. And it was just, it was just it had a pro motion. It was just a delightful uh, form factor uh, for the yes. home button iPad. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I had that one too. And, and yeah, I loved, I loved the extra screen real estate and you're right. The, 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 the slimmer bezels, it, it all just felt so nice. Yeah. Yes. So, um, t- I guess let's dive even further back. Um, uh, okay. uh, when did you get into computers? Like what was your first computer? When did you know you wanted to get into programming and, and you know, doing all this, this crazy stuff? <laughs> well, when I first, let's see, when I first got into computers, I, I was in high school and uh, I think it was high school. We went on a field trip to a, to a local college uh, in my town and they had mainframes there. I'd never seen a computer really or used one. And we got to sit and mess around with this computer and, and instantly I was just hooked. I just, I, I wanted to know everything about it. I wanted to know how it worked. I wanted to know how, how, how you could do these things. And, um, so I was kind of hooked, but we, we, we really didn't have much money when I was a kid, so we couldn't afford any anything, and there really weren't computers, really computers back then. Yeah, you're gonna buy a mainframe and put in your house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the first thing I I did was this was in the era of the Atari 2600 um, game console. There was a competitor to that called the Magnavox Odyssey 2, and it it had this uh, membrane keyboard on it. It looked like kind of a computer, and I thought, oh my god, I gotta have that. So. Um, I had a part-time job. I saved and saved and I bought this thing and it was a game console. So I of course had games, but they had this intro to computer cartridge that you could plug into this thing and you could write little programs in assembler and no way to save them, mind you. So I had, to, you know, <laughs> but I'd sit there and type in these little programs. My family just shook their head like, what are you doing? But just to learn about how to put things on the screen, that kind of hooked me. Um, and then a few years later, I, my first, I guess, real computer was a Commodore 64. And, uh, in, in those early days, that was, that was kind of a cool computer, I thought. And I did some programming on it. I, I, I was in college, so I wrote papers on it. I was, you know, most people that those were the days most people didn't have computers. So right. it was kind of a novelty. Type typewriters were commonplace for writing your papers. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I had a typewriter that, and uh, I was convincing myself, oh, now that I bought this, uh, I, sh- I have to get a printer, of course. Naturally, and yeah. Yes. <laughs> Imagine having a computer alongside typewriters like, oh, you make one mistake in the typewriter, you got to start the whole page over again. <laughs> <laughs> 
it was it was kind of revolutionary to be able to type everything out ahead of time and then yeah. print it. You know, yeah. It was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So well, I'm thinking in modernity, um, game consoles. You know, you have Sony, Nintendo; those are very locked down, and then you have the Steam Deck, which can boot in, you can install Windows and boot and all sorts of stuff, and that's kind of I guess similar to your original game console where you could, you could write code on the Steam Deck probably and have yeah, to yeah. do all sorts of computery things versus other game consoles which are more locked down. Yeah, yeah, it definitely seems yeah, it's uh it's kind of funny how all through the years those are all computers obviously they just yeah. have a different f- focus and how much how open they are to doing these various different types of things besides their main focus is has kind of ebbed and flowed, I think, through the years. Um, certainly today's consoles, like the PlayStation, Xbox, are very locked down. And yes. you as a developer, you as a home hobbyist, are not going to sit there and write code on these things. Well, some people probably do. But, you know, <laughs> most people don't. Most people don't. Um, yeah, PS3 was hackable back in the day. I think people did some crazy stuff on that one. But yeah, yes. generally speaking, not as much. Yeah. Yes, yes. But yeah. Lots, lots of, lots of old time computers that led. And then you know, since since those early days, I've had some form of computer ever since. Um, obviously, it uh, you know PCs for the longest time, and then um, back when I was at Microsoft was when I got my first Mac. I felt sort of like a traitor at the time. It's kind of yeah, I, yeah, you go to work at Microsoft and then get a Mac, yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah, but I loved it. Boy, I was just I was. But in that era, or. I guess in 2007 onwards, you could just install Windows on your Mac. Yeah. <laughs> you in the first, yes, the first Boot Mac camp, I got yeah. was the very first Intel based one. Yep. It was a MacBook Pro. And yeah, Boot Camp, I could put Windows on it. And uh, yeah, yeah, that was my first Mac as well, going into college at the time, 2006. <laughs> to, yep. The 17 inch MacBook Pro. Love that thing. Oh yeah, the little tank. I love the old um, aluminum keyboard. Like just the whole thing. I wish they would do a retro design where they brought back aluminum keyboards. Oh, that would be, that would be really cool. Yeah. That would be yeah. Those were those are really cool. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So, um, I guess forward looking, where do you see computers going from here? We've got AI. We've got uh, Vision Pro as a, a, an idea. Um, Tablets will continue to advance, and Apple Silicon is making the laptops even better. And oh yeah, it's you know for all these all these years, it seems at these inflection points where where people maybe think, "Wow, computing is at its pinnacle. It's done. It's 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 the best that it could be." And then something happens and changes everything. And, yeah. and I think we're definitely in in a place right now that's one of those inflection points and for, for various reasons, Mm -hmm. but um, to answer your question, where do I think it'll go? I, I guess to me, the word ambient comes up a lot in my mind, meaning that, that it's that the, the computer, the computing, the platforms, the information is just with you when you need it, where you need it. And we see some of that. Of course, people carry their phones with them all the time and their watches are on. But I look at something like Vision Pro and I think, wow, this uh, is showing, I think, a, a wonderful 
vision of where ambient computing will go. And what I mean by that is, uh, of course, today it's it's this thing that covers your yeah. Your that, eyes that form and, factor is not it. That's the um, yeah. That's the future of desktop computing when you're sitting down being focused. We need the um, the Apple Watch version of Vision Pro. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think definitely glasses or something mm-hmm. on your face so that you can have your screen wherever you want. Yep. And it to me, it's going to be very interesting to see how, how all of this evolves and how you go from this fully immersive experience that the Vision Pro can give you to something that's maybe less immersive, but with you all the time. Or do they come up with a, some sort of method to actually make it be just as immersive, only it's a much lighter weight, easy to wear all day kind of thing? Uh, that'll be interesting to see. Yeah. And um, I can see multiple form factors coexisting. Like you want the fully immersive goggles for your uh, you know, at-home cinema experience versus your on-the-go um, lighter weight form factor. Oh, cause, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it seems like once form factors are introduced, they don't take them away that often. We don't. We still have desktop Macs, even though you have laptops. And yeah, that's actually a really good point. They they don't they don't go away that often. We have game consoles. We have handheld gaming. We have yes, all of these things, and they kind of just work their way into your everyday life. And something new comes along, and it still fits. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And, you find? Uh, yeah, so... I have like so many more <laughs> computer form factors than I would imagine. I, I yeah. watch I, all the game consoles I, and iPads. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I kind of think, at least as I'm thinking forward, it'll be something like that. Um, You mentioned AI, and I think that that's going to play a big role as well. And, you know, we're in this very interesting place again, where it's, it's this inflection point, there's all this, there's all this activity happening, there's all this news happening, there's certainly a lot of hype happening. There's a lot of potential um, so it'll be very interesting to see how that becomes part of the ambient computing that the future will give us. I think there's just, there's so much potential and so many possibilities. And at the same time, there are so many concerns and so many issues <laughs> and all of this stuff yes. needs to come together and get figured out. And probably in, in, in much the same way that the the whole industry is today, there will be some that take it in one direction that is okay, but maybe not great for your for for privacy and security. And then there'll be others who go the other way and probably have to do a lot more work and a lot to put in a lot more effort to make it be as useful, but privacy first, security first, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah. It'll be very like 10 years from now. I'm, I wonder what this world will be like. Cause every, it seems like every 10, like, if you look back 10 years ago, major leaps and then year to year, it's like nothing's happening. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And yeah, I, like it's 2023 I, and 2013, like iPad <laughs> was brand new and like uh, uh, things have Apple watch and like, yeah, I can't imagine yeah. like without, without Apple watch now, it's really changed how I interact with my day to day, you know? Yeah. Yeah, me too. I yeah, and it and you, that's that's another perfect example. You just look at that size, and in today's world, all that this thing can do and last all day on a battery. I mean, it's got a GPS, it's got a cellular radio, it's got all these sensors. It knows your heart rate. It it can remind you of things. It can 
I mean, it can track your workout. It, it's just, it's kind of mind blowing to yeah, think. Yeah, and that's this that's less than ten years. I think that was twenty fifteen, and that that product line just advanced so rapidly year to year. It was impressive to see. Yes. Like, oh, we got uh, GPS this year. Oh, we got cellular this year. Oh, we got. Uh, yes. This, <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah. ECG. Yeah. I just I was I was recently on a trip and I was overseas. So I was in a lot of places I'd never been and I needed walking directions because I did mm-hmm. a lot of walking and I would put the destination in my phone, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to look like a tourist, tourist standing yeah. or gawking <laughs> at my phone the whole way. So I used my watch to glance occasionally. What's my next turn? And I couldn't believe how accurate it was on where my current location yeah. is. The screen was big enough to show me enough of the path that I knew, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to be turning left up here. And I mean, that just seems so amazing. Like you said, 10 years ago, if you would have thought, oh, I wonder if something like that would happen, didn't really seem possible. No. Um, yeah, we had so, the e-ink pebbles that were pretty basic <laughs> as far as functionality. and yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah it's, it's amazing. So focusing on the iPad a bit, as this show is about iPads. Um, <laughs> yes. um, but I, I do like to cover the other stuff because it, it is interesting to me. Um, oh, definitely. So iPad first is kind of you know, your main computer is an iPad Pro 11 inch. Um, and I haven't yes. had that size in a while. Uh, the handheld nature of that size is appealing, but uh, I always like to get the biggest size for whatever reason. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. I had was, a tough time. Yeah. Was deciding. This, you wanted something more tablet like as I as, did. Yeah. I did. I and to be honest, when I got this one, I actually bought both the eleven and the twelve point nine because I knew I could re- I could return one. Yeah, I've done that before. The second generation yeah. iPad I had the ten point five and the twelve point nine. Oh, and you? I used them side by side on the Logitech charging base stand at work, and I, I love that setup. I was multitasking with two iPads and same screen technology and both. Oh, that's and, pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I actually knew I was going to return one within okay. my two-week window. I just I really wanted to put them side by side and do my regular work and tasks and see. Okay, is the twelve point nine going to give me so much more benefit that it's worth the trade off for portability? Yeah, is the screen and, that much better for what I use it for? And all yes, because this is different screen technology currently and all that. Yeah. It, yes, yes, and uh, and I even went on a trip with the twelve point nine, so. While I had it. So that was kind of nice because I got to see on an airplane how well does this work. on, um, And I loved it. I, I really did. But in the end, I only wanted one iPad. And I do a, I do a lot of reading and other in-hand uh, work with the thing. And the 12.9 just seemed a little too big for that. On the desk, in the, in the Magic Keyboard, it was fantastic. But um, so I chose the 11. Yeah. And yeah, um, it's good to hear that Apple seems to, the rumors are they'll continue on with 11 and bring OLED to it. So the screen will finally be same class yeah. as the bigger one. And um, rumor today, iPad mini in 2026, uh, sign me up for the OLED model. <laughs> 2026. That's, oh, I that's didn't a, see that. that was the latest thing I saw today. Oh, really? So oh, wow. I would, I would love it if the iPad mini got a great screen. Cause. Oh yeah, I would. Yeah, I would too. See if, if, I, I, I have to say that I have thought, oh, maybe if I had the 12.9 and a mini, 
then, <laughs> right. you know, I get, I can, I can do both things, but yeah, uh, yeah right now I, I do have to say the 11 has been fantastic for me. And now with the external monitor support, when I need more space, it's just, it's perfect because yeah. I can plug it in. I get all this and I can take it away and hold it and yeah, I'd love read. bring the M1 chip to the iPad mini. That would be like an amazing uh, computer for, for just yeah. that reason. You could have the handheld and then go full external display mode with it. Yeah, that yeah. would be great. So that would be. are there tasks that you still can't accomplish on iPad quite yet? That's a, that's a great question. <laughs> I guess the word can't is, is or, a, is a uh, good prefer word. not to. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, until recently, I would say uh, there were probably three things that I that I still did on my Mac coding because mm-hmm. um, I, I still like to dabble in in coding. Yeah. Um, taxes. Okay. For a very for a very specific reason, because I help some family members with their taxes, mm-hmm. and the iPad version of TurboTax is kind of a one user, one payment uh, thing. Yeah. Whereas the desktop version, you can do five tax returns with one purchase. Oh, that okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And yeah. so, yeah, I keep thinking every year maybe I'll just use the. I I kind of want to use the iPad version to see how it how it works. But yeah. Um, and and then until recently, another thing. This is this is a very probably geeky thing, but I I play Dungeons and Dragons mm-hmm. online with my son and a couple of other guys, and I've been using the Mac for that because I like to use my studio display, yeah, and have the video up of of everybody plus notes plus plus you know everything Absolutely. that's going on. Um, but now recently at least for me, the Dungeons and Dragons thing is going to work out fine with the iPad because we get external camera support. So now I can use my external display for that. So that's mm-hmm. going to, that's going to work out great for coding. For a while after I retired, I was actually working on some apps that I really wanted to develop and, and, and ship. And so I was using Apple's Xcode mm-hmm. and you have to have a Mac for that. Uh, last couple of years, though, it's been more of kind of this hobby where I just want to stay abreast of what's going on in the tech world and the in the and mostly focused on Apple development. So the Swift Playgrounds app on the iPad has been great for that. So so that one I'm going to push aside. If I ever get back into yeah. real, like I really want to develop something, I'll probably still go back to Xcode. But so honestly, right now. It's there's really nothing. Yeah, I mean the taxes thing the once probably, a year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, once a year thing that I'll probably still do, and maybe I'll switch that. I don't know, but uh, so it's it's pretty cool that it's come this far. It, it is, yeah, um, that's awesome. And yeah, the coding stuff that's uh, it's just such an interesting thing because um, Xcode is just this behemoth of an app, and then they have this Swift Playgrounds, which I, I don't know in ten years. Does you know Xcode X or whatever become the you know the, the new Swift playgrounds and then kind of like coalesce into this new thing? I don't know if they'd want it. Like, uh, do they do a Final Cut Seven the the ten transition with Xcode? That would be a very disruptive thing for the development community if they do that poorly. So uh, I'll just be curious how that evolves. I guess over the years. Yeah, I will too. I will too. If if I were to guess, I would say they wouldn't take that approach. Although. 
<laughs> I don't, you know, uh, right. but, but instead maybe they would leave Xcode and then come up with a new thing, maybe called Swift code or, you know, yeah. some, some, some new thing that was Xcode has, you know, support for all these legacy technologies, legacy languages, all these, all these things, and maybe a clean break and just saying it's all about Swift. It's all about Swift mm-hmm. UI, but it's a full development environment. Yeah. Um, that'd be a great way to go. I think. Yeah. Do you think it was easier learning how to code back when it was just very new, everything was new versus now? Seems like there's so much complexity. Um, oh, yes. Like, yeah, it was definitely easier back then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely easier back then. Like I, I download the Swift Playgrounds and I dabble with and go through the, the lessons and then I get to like build your own app in it and it's like, I'm totally lost. What do I do? <laughs> yeah, it's... There's just, well, like you just said, there's just so much complexity and so many things. I mean, if you're going to build a real app, there's so many considerations, so many things that you have to be beyond just, oh, I'm going to yeah. put some stuff on the screen. It's, you know, do, is it accessible? Does it connect to the cloud? Is my data safe? I mean, all these things. Um, it's, it, it, there's a lot to learn. Th- those lessons, I've looked through those lessons in Playgrounds and, and they're pretty good, but yeah. I agree with you. They don't, I don't think they do a very good job teaching you how to write an app they're more like the fundamentals of concepts yeah it's like oh these functions this is how functions work it's like yeah okay i got all that but let's bridge it to the actual there there should be a lesson on there should be some sample apps like i don't know apple's calculator app let's learn how to build apple's calculator app with swift playground stuff like that would be kind of yeah yeah exactly i think i think apple's starting to do a little bit better here on their own, like yesterday or the day before they released a whole bunch of new tutorials mm-hmm. um, called, I think it's called programming in Swift. I haven't had a chance to really dig into it, but um, it looks like that might be a good start. If people wanted to learn, there's a guy named Paul Hudson who has this website called hacking with Swift. And he has some lessons. He's got uh, this one called a hundred days of Swift UI. That's free. And it's 100 days of lessons that start from the very, if you're a complete beginner and have never programmed before, that's a really good one to just, because it's got short little, you take a step, you take a step. So there are some good resources out there, but even still, it's it's a very complex topic. And, you know, you see these things online about these boot camps that are going to teach you to be an app developer in 30 days or something. And uh, I think that's being very... Um, optimistic in what you'd be able to accomplish in 30 days. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. No. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. It's a, yeah, it's the thing I've always been intrigued by because, you know, let me build something that I can run on my phone or iPad and yeah. Well, yeah. Cause it's, it's this, it's a very creative, you know, it's, it's kind of this really cool thing. You can make something of your own. You don't even need any natural resources. You know, no. you can just sit down yeah. and, and uh, no glue, no wood or anything like that. You can just, create something and it's so it's very alluring in that way um but it can also be a very frustrating frustrating <laughs> yes i was a music ma- music composition major and i uh i love cr- writing music and all that uh and then i try to write you know try to write apps it's a wholly different uh skill set there <laughs> yes different definitely. creative outlet yes yeah definitely definitely this episode is sponsored by agenda 
Agenda, if you haven't tried it out, is a great note-taking app that really thoughtfully integrates your calendar and reminders into your notes. In this quick break, I want to share how Agenda integrates with the Reminders app, which, if you haven't used recently, has come a really long way. You'll hear in the second half of this episode how Rob is all in on the Reminders app, and for those who use Reminders, there is no better note-taking app than Agenda. So first off, in the right-sliding panel of Agenda, you'll see a unified timeline of your calendar along with any reminders that have a due date. By clicking on that reminder, you'll be able to act on that reminder in a few different ways. First off, you can create a new note in whatever project you are in that links directly back to that reminder. If that reminder is already linked to a note, that option will be replaced by the ability to jump directly to that note in Agenda. The next option is to add to selected note. So if you're already working on a note, you can select that to tie that reminder to that note in progress. You can even tie multiple reminders to the same note. This is super helpful for larger projects that you may want to have multiple reminders of in the same note. The third option in that sliding panel is the ability to mark the reminder as complete. You can also hit the quick reschedule option to push the reminder back 5 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, or 2 hours. You can also push the reminder for next week or next month. These options are all super handy ways of pushing a reminder back quickly rather than manually going in and changing the time and date. If you do really want to change up a reminder, you can do a full edit of that reminder right inside Agenda. This lets you change the title, due date, and you can even change which reminders list it is saved to. Finally, you can open up that reminder in the Reminders app if you want to view that reminder in the context of the larger list or even edit the reminder beyond what the Agenda app allows for. The final aspect of integration I want to highlight is that you can simply highlight a line of text in an Agenda note and hit Command-Shift-R on your Magic Keyboard to create a new reminder based off that line of text. And that reminder will be linked to that note you are working on. You can also hit Command-Shift-R without any text highlighted to link the entire note to a new reminder. Alternatively, you hit the plus button on the menu bar at the bottom of the screen and select the alarm icon to link the note you are working on to a new reminder. I've not seen many other apps integrate with reminders in this deep and thought out way. You can tell the developers behind Agenda use reminders and create this app out of a desire for them to be able to utilize reminders in an even more powerful way. If you haven't tried Agenda out yet, I'd really encourage you to give it a try. Agenda is free to download and use with no obtrusive ads. To unlock the full power of Agenda, give Agenda Premium a shot. One thing that Agenda continues to do that I love is their approach to premium features and unlocks. If you ever decide to cancel your Agenda Premium subscription, you get to keep all of the premium features available to you when you were a subscriber. Or you can opt for their new Lifetime Unlock, which will unlock the full power of Agenda on all of your Apple devices with a single one-time purchase. To learn more, go to Agenda.com. Download Agenda 18 today for free from the App Store. My thanks again to Agenda for sponsoring this episode of iProPros. Learn more at www.agenda.com. Writing is a big thing you do on your iPad, to my understanding. You you have a couple different, uh, two different sites, and yes. the iPad's an awesome environment to write. It can be very distraction-free if you set up properly, um, just a full-screen app with just your, your text in front of you. So tell me a bit about your writing on the iPad, what that's like. Oh, yeah, it, it, you're right. It's it's absolutely a great environment for writing because, yes, it's it it can be 
distraction-free, especially now with something like focus modes where you can just go into a writing mode and turn off all the notifications, which is what I do. It's, it's wonderful. Um, it, so for me, there's, there's basically three types of writing I do on my iPad. I, I journal every day. Um, I've got, as you mentioned, I have two websites. I just have a regular blog that I, I don't have regular posting schedules, but I have especially recently got more into a pretty often posting on both of these things. So I, I write and, and post there. And then I have this other site called Tech Talk that um, I've been kind of the the tech support guy for my family for years and years and years. And they told me one time, you know, you should put together a website because you're so good at helping all of us. Maybe if you wrote this stuff down, we could go back to it and and look. And I thought, okay, so, so th- this site is more of a how-to. I just come up with, uh, like my most recent post there is about how to use Hide My Email. And here's how you set it up and here's what it does for you. And here's why it's good for you. And it's just a step-by-step kind of walkthrough. So that's a feature I wish existed when I first got email because it's, I mean, it's too far gone. I'm just on all these lists yes. and I can't get out of it. Yes, I completely <laughs> agree. It's it, it would have been like from day one with email, that would have been. Yeah, my daughter is going to have a great experience being able to, uh, from the get-go, have hide my email. Like, <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, and I, I have dabbled in uh, writing some novels but that's kind of an on again, off again thing. And right now it's sort of off again, <laughs> but they're sitting yeah. there waiting for me to come back, I guess. Is uh, Scrivener an app you use for that? Or Ulysses or? I used to use Scrivener a while yeah. ago on the Mac. Yep. And then they came out with an iOS version mm-hmm. and I used that for a little while. But yeah, I, I use Ulysses for uh, for the website blogging yeah. and for the for the novel stuff. Okay. Um, and do you use the great. Ulysses as the uploading from the app or do you just copy and paste from Ulysses and do it uh, directly on WordPress or whatever platform you're working with? Well, I, I upload from directly from Ulysses, but I have kind of a different, depending on what I'm doing, if it's just, if it's my blogging site, um, then that's usually pretty straightforward and I can upload from Ulysses. It's kind of nice. Ulysses lets you set the categories and the tags and, and all of that, and that works really well. The uh, the Tech Talk one, on the other hand, where I am writing how-tos and I have a lot of screenshots involved usually, that's a little bit more involved. I will still upload from Ulysses, but uh, Ulysses doesn't have enough control over the sizing of the images, so I'll upload and then I need to go to the WordPress site and go tweak each <laughs> each <laughs> screenshot with uh, a size and uh, resolution that I want. Um, gotcha. The images yeah. do get uploaded from Ulysses, though. It, it does support they, that. It's they just, do, yes. Just the sizing is a bit of a... It's the sizing. And and honestly, if I'm most of the screenshots I post are iPhone screenshots. I often want them to be side-by-side, side, so WordPress lets you have columns. Ulysses doesn't support columns, so I have a, a keyboard shortcut on my iPad where I can just do uh, angle bracket C and it inserts the HTML code in Ulysses to make the columns so I can oh, paste nice. my images in there. So most of it's automated that way, but yeah. Um, yeah. And both these sites are WordPress sites? Yes, both okay. of them are WordPress sites. Do you struggle at all with WordPress and Safari on iPad? Sometimes that that website, I just want to throw it out the window. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. Yeah. And yes, I agree with, yes, I struggle with it sometimes. And yes, I kind of sometimes want to throw it out the window. It's like, sometimes it just seems to lose itself and it, and you know, I've, I've made an edit or something and then I, I, oh yeah, it's very frustrating. Yeah. Sometimes. And the app is worse. So, I mean, oh, the <laughs> app is worse. Every time there's an update for the app, I think, okay, this might be it. And then I'll load up the app and, you know, the app is fine for checking stats, yeah. for checking comments. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not great for yeah. writing and yeah. Yeah, if I was a millionaire, I would commission the people behind Rapid Weaver to make a iPad version. I'd pay them whatever they ask. Oh, and, that would be great. Because I miss Rapid Weaver. That was my favorite website publishing tool back on the Mac when I used that. And yeah, me was, too. I used I used that. Oh, it was fantastic. Yeah. Yes. And we're on we're on all these uh we have WordPress and all these other, you know, Squarespace and they're just I don't know, it's 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 not as good. <laughs> I no. it's better for certain reasons I know, but uh yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I, I love WordPress, but yeah, I, I, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, there are, there's room for improvement. There is, say. there is indeed. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then journaling is something you've gotten into as well. Has this been a habit, um, you've had for many years now, or is it something you've recently gotten into? I have tried to have it be a habit for many years. Yeah. And, um, actually I just wrote a blog post about this last week or maybe the week before. So about how I, how I journal now. And, and uh, I was looking back through it. My very first journal entry was in 1998. Okay. And then, yeah. and then the next one was in like 2006 or something. Right, yeah. I mean, it was just, um, so it's kind of been this on again, off again thing, but late last year, I, for some reason wanted to make it be a daily habit. I, I, I find that when I write down what's going on in my life, and especially if I've got worries or concerns or just things that won't won't get out of my head, writing it down and kind of working through it really helps. So I wanted to make it be a habit. And I read this article that s- suggested journaling first thing in the morning. I'd always done it in the evening. Yeah, because I've started to do it, and it's the thing I do before going to bed mostly. Yeah. Yes, then that's what I used to do, except then I'd be tired, and I'd think, oh. Yeah, some nights I can't do it because, you know, my my daughter's being – needs extra attention, and uh, it's just – it's too late. I just got to go to bed. Yeah. 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 Well, so when I did – when I did this – uh, when I decided, I read that article, I thought there's no way that's going to work for me, but I thought I'll try it. And interestingly, it really has since, yeah. since January of this year, I have written in my journal every single day. And I, that's the first thing I do. I get up, I make a cup of coffee and I write in the journal. I don't look at the news. I don't look at my yeah. email. I just, and that's, that's stuck. And so that's been really good. It's interesting. Yeah. I might, uh, I have to play around with that, you know, waking up a little bit earlier and just starting the day, not trying to rush out the door immediately to work and instead yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. take a moment yeah. and reflect. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 worked out pretty well. I still occasionally will write in the evenings, too, <laughs> if there's something that's on my mind. But then now I don't feel the pressure to have to do it in the evening, you know. And um, is day one the app you're using for that? No, I, I used day one long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I've used lots of different things, but the most, what I'm using right now is, um, an app called bear. Okay. Yep. You, I've yeah. used it in the past. I, yeah. Yeah. It's I've, I've used Apple notes for years mm-hmm. and 
and love it. And, and, um, it's worked great, but there've been a couple things that have pushed me to a different app. One is that search, I use Apple notes for pretty much everything and I use search a lot. And I kept getting a lot of my journal entries in my search, which depending on what I was searching for may or may not have been a problem, but I've been, was noticing it a lot more where I thought, oh, I've got to scroll through all of these, these entries. Like if I searched for iPad, yeah, right. <laughs> I apparently write in my journal a lot about iPads. <laughs> so, um, and I have a shortcut that I wrote that, that creates my first journal entry of the day and it does some formatting and puts the date and the weather and where I am. And I like it to be formatted in a specific way that was always kind of finicky to begin with the sh using notes. And then in iOS 17, for whatever reason, it just completely broke and the formatting wasn't working. And I thought, all right, I'll... so I, I had Bear installed and I'd used it before just to play around with it. And I and it's got great shortcut support. And so this has just been a couple months ago. I thought, well, I'll give it a try. And I like it quite a bit. It's 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 got a nice, clean interface. And uh, so that's what I've been using. Nice. Yeah, on my Christmas list this year, I have the Hobonichi five-year journal. This is a company out of Japan. And the concept is you have this pretty large like A5 um, journal. Each page has five days. So, you know, you use the first year. You use just the top portion. The next year, you get to see what you wrote the previous year. You know, in your year five, you get to see, you know, four, you know, every year just reflect it. You can kind of reflect on what life was like a year ago and two years ago and three years ago. Oh, that's um, cool. So it seems like a, a cool concept. I love fountain pens. So it'll be a good excuse to use those daily. And um, in this one, the page next to it's completely blank. So if I have some extra things I want to go off, I can use that extra page next to it to put thoughts there. And then um, I'll be uh, capturing that with my iPhone each day and put in the journal app to have it uh, in a digital form as well. So, yeah, that's a cool way to do it. Yeah. I will admit that I, I miss writing the old fashioned way yeah. with a pen. And like you, I, I love pens and I have a fountain pen that I haven't used in years. And now you're making me think, wow, I should get that thing out. And, and I, I can't even, the la anytime I try to write anymore, it's just horrible. I, <laughs> because yeah. I, I don't write, so it, I'm out of practice. Yeah, in, in high so bit of a tangent. So in high school, <laughs> um, I got I learned about fountain pens. I, it's like what are these things? And it's like oh, that's great. Um, had horrific handwriting. I was um, in like middle school and earlier. I was diagnosed with um, dysgraphia. Dysgraphia, where it's like a, a clinically bad handwriting, basically. And I learned, and then in high school, I got fountain pens and like. I picked up these Spencerian handwriting books in the 1800s and learned how to write. It's like, oh, I actually wasn't just I, I I wasn't interested in writing with crappy ballpoints. And once I found a tool that was fun to use, I like took an interest and have beautiful handwriting now. So it's like, oh wow, that's really yeah. cool. That so is really yeah. cool. Huh. Yeah, My, uh, I'll have to look into some of that because uh, yeah, Amazon sells them still. Um, search for Spencerian handwriting. There's these like brownish books. There's like twenty five bucks for. There's the theory book. Then there's like five workbooks, and oh, it's just a, it's a lot of fun. It te teaches you the principles of that handwriting style and gets you fully up to speed with writing in that way. And oh, I'm definitely yeah. going to look at that. And, I can uh, see another rabbit hole coming in. Oh my, yeah, my I way just um, and... <laughs> yeah, I picked up. I, I was very thrilled by this um, 
eBay find a, um, a, a 1920s pen in pristine condition. So a hundred year old pen and it looks brand new. It was like restored and I'm very excited to start working with like, oh, wow. with this pen. Cause it's like, it's just like the history behind something like that, that it's like, it's just oh, kind of yeah. wild. Uh, and the disposable pen culture we have now, the bics you just throw out, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's really cool. That's yeah. a, that's a great find. That's yeah. Great Cause find. normally these things go for double or more. Um, the the one I got it's um yeah so it's a a nineteen twenty Schaefer uh, ring top fountain pen um that's been completely restored is made in Iowa of all places we used to oh, make wow. pens here in America um, <laughs> yeah but um that's cool yeah um it it can be a, a it can be an expensive rabbit hole but um <laughs> yes. but yeah yes. but uh, but yeah journaling very- journaling is a great uh, <laughs> journaling is a great way to just you know mental health and just, you know, reflecting and yes. Yeah. And it goes used to write, which uh, it's kind of funny. Like we used to write uh, all the time in our culture. Like that was a thing you did as far as every job. And now it's like computers have taken over that. Uh, that yes. Task. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. And, and you make a, a good point. It's, it's writing. Mm-hmm. And uh, this article that I read that talked about journaling in the morning also was talking about, how journaling is writing. And if you want to be a writer or you want to do writing, it's another way to practice that art, practice the craft. And I hadn't thought about it that way until I read that. And then I go back and look through, sometimes my, my journal entries are quite short and sometimes they're quite long, but reading through what I've written, I can see that I can see Mm -hmm. that, wow, I I actually did pay attention to the sentence and how I wanted to express this thought or this feeling. And so it's a great way to, to just practice. Yeah. I have a just a regular notebook now to use until uh, next year, but um, I find some days it's like I'm doing a, a movie review of a movie I watched that night, and it, that, that's my journal entry for the day. It's like stuff like that sometimes. Yes, yeah. But sometimes it's kind of fun. You go back a few years and and uh, read through that and think, oh, it, it kind of sparks yeah. the memory, and it's it's a good thing. Yeah. So. Um, do you have any thoughts on Apple's journal app? Is that something you'll move to? It sounds like maybe it's, it sounds like, you know, using bear, you've tried Apple notes. It seems like simple things may work in Apple's note journal app is pretty simple. So it's, yeah, I don't have it installed, but I've read several reviews and, and watched a couple of videos about it. And I think it has potential. Mm-hmm. I think uh, one of the things that I like about it is that, it prompts you with things that you've done throughout the day. And, you know, whether it's photos you took, whether it's music you listened to, um, places you were, you get, you get a prompt that, that, that's perhaps will spark something that you want to write about. So I, I like, I like that idea. It does seem beyond that. It seems fairly bare bones, which would be fine for me because all I do is I write text. Occasionally I'll, I'll put a, a photo in, but, but usually it's just text. Um, the fact that it's iPhone only right now. Yeah. <laughs> Once it's iPad. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, it works for me cause I'm just taking a picture of my handwritten journal, but, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to journal just on the, I don't, that, no, yeah. no, no, that's, that's difficult to do this, this, um, I, I was on recently a trip to Europe and I was gone for a, a month. It was the first trip I've, I've taken where I didn't take my iPad. Mm-hmm. I only had my phone and I wanted to keep up 
journaling every day. And yeah. I did, which, which was really great, but I had to do it on my phone. And yeah, that's just <laughs> not the best, not no. the best experience for, for, for longer form things. I mean, a few, a few notes here and there, it's fine, but so it'll be interesting to see where they, where they take it. They, they do have this API for developers. So you can write an app that pulls that same information that they mm-hmm. pop up for you. And I was thinking, well, wow, if, if they made that available through shortcuts, now that would be kind of cool. You could write a shortcut to prompt you for these things and then take, take the, whether it's a photo or a location that you choose and then insert it into your note taking app of choice. That would be really neat. I I don't know whether that is in the works, obviously, or even if it's there today, I doubt it, but it'd be cool. Yeah. So another awesome use of the iPad is reading. Steve Jobs demoed this uh, on the couch, 2010, just, you know, laying back, uh, browsing New York Times and Apple or iBooks at the time. And um, what kind of stuff, for, you know, what's the reading experience like? You're, you're probably just grabbing the iPad as a tablet and are there's your go, go-to apps you have for, for reading? Yeah, absolutely. I, for the longest time for books, I was all in on Apple books and um, for years and years. But this year I was doing a lot more reading outside uh, in the, on the patio. It was a lovely summer and reading outside in bright sunlight on my iPad is just not great. Um, they don't have the iPhone 14 pro uh, outdoor max knit brainless thing <laughs> it'd be great if that got there because it is amazing the current iphones 14 and 15 pros outside they have sustained max brightness that is just feels like i'm indoors still it's, it's crazy yes yeah. it is crazy um but anyway i switched yep. i i i bought a kindle okay that makes <laughs> yeah that's yeah, yeah i can see that's where that's going yep yeah and the app the app on on ipad and iphone is pretty good for, yeah. for Kindle. So no, no fancy page curling, uh, that the, Apple yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was really bummed when the page curl in, uh, Apple books went away for a version or so. Yeah. They, they brought, brought back. back. It's like, there's enough yes. outrage. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I was really annoyed. I thought, come on, guys. Come on. <laughs> get rid of the last bit of whimsy for the Steve Jobs yes. era. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, for books, it's these days, I, I still use Apple books cause I still have a lot of books, in the queue to read that mm-hmm. I bought on there, but, uh, mostly Kindle. I read a lot of blogs, of course. And for that, I use net newswire and, uh, have been using net newswire. For, oh gosh. F- since way long ago on, on just the Mac before yeah. any of the latest stuff. Yeah. Back when RSS feeds were advertised on websites versus now you have to kind of seek them out. And <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's kind of, I don't know. I'd like to believe there's a resurgence of interest in RSS and, and maybe there is with all the, all the weird things that are going on in the social media space. Um, maybe more people are interested in writing for themselves on their own platforms. So that would be nice. Um, I use Apple news for, for, for news and for social media. I've really only, I'm only on Mastodon anymore and I use ivory. Um, which is a great app for Mastodon. And uh, for email, is Apple Mail your one-stop shop? Yeah, Apple Mail is it. Um, Works pretty well for me. I don't really have any issues with it. Um, Yeah, I like the new remind me feature of emails. I I do find myself using that quite a bit. 
I do too, but you know, it, it isn't the thing I don't like is that I can't, I can't customize it the way that I always would want to. And so, but a cool thing about, um, Apple mail is that you can send an email to reminders. And so what, that's what I usually do is I'll go, I'll send if, for example, if I send somebody an email and ask them for something, mm-hmm. I'll go into the sent, I'll take the email, put it in reminders. I get a reminder with a link to the email and I can put a, re- a date on it. So now it'll pop up and say, hey, follow up on this. That's that's a pretty cool feature that I that I use quite a bit. Do you use Siri to get it in there or do you drag and drop it to get it in? How's, how's... I usually I can either drag and drop it. Or if you highlight text in an email, so if you like highlight the the header, the heading, or the, the subject line rather, if you if you highlight that and then on the the pop up menu just choose share and send it to reminders, it automatically includes a link to the email. So whoa, I, I had yeah. no idea that was a thing. Thank you. Very it's much. very cool. That's really it's, awesome. Yeah, it's very cool. Um. So yeah, that that is that that's that's one thing about Apple. I haven't tried. I used to use when I was working. I would use Outlook. Mm-hmm. Um, and but yeah, imagine uh, Microsoft wouldn't wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so yeah, it, it works pretty well for me. I, I search, even though it's supposedly vastly improved, I still don't find it to be excellent. Yeah, that's the one thing I get. Uh, yelled at in our household that I can't find an email. It's like Apple search. <laughs> what <can I> do? <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, so not, it's no Gmail as far as the search. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Is reminders your one and only reminders app or do you use a couple for different purposes? No, reminders is my one and only. And wow, that thing has really come a long way in the last few years. It's, it used to be just a simple list app almost. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And now it's, it's just fantastic. I use it. I've kind of, um, over the years, I've, I've been this, uh, sort of pro, uh, productivity system geek, you might mm-hmm. say. I've been, you know, from early days with day timers and Franklin Covey planners to the seven habits of highly effective people and getting things done from yeah, David Allen and, yeah, even more recently, Tiago Forte's uh, building a second brain and para method. Like I've, I, I love reading all of these things. So I kind of have this sort of amalgam of all those various systems in a very simplified form. And it all works really well with reminders as the, as the only thing. So, uh, it's great. Yeah, no, it's a phenomenal app. Like the shared reminders are great. Uh, if you have people willing to also use reminders and then the grocery shopping auto sorting has been just really fantastic. I'm impressed by what it does with that. Oh, me too. Me too. That's, that's a really cool new thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it, yeah, I'm, 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 it'll be interesting to see where they take it. They keep adding new features that surprise me. This, you know, iOS 17, Mm -hmm. the sections and then the ability to have columns. uh, Yeah. 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 I'm really surprised. I I don't know why I'm surprised. It just didn't seem (laughs) like, like this huge focus for them for a long time. And now lately it's, it's, they've really done a lot more to it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Web browsing is Safari um the the go-to app. I mean, I don't see I know some people use Chrome because they like syncing between Chrome on desktop, but you know. <laughs> yeah, no. Safari Safari is it for me. 
I do have Chrome installed because on a rare occasion, I will have some issue on some website that won't behave properly. And Chrome sometimes will, it'll work properly there, but that's, that's extremely rare. Which is funny because it's all WebKit. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. It's usually something weird, like it won't let me log in or some odd thing like that. I Yeah. Have you started using tab groups or any of the newish Safari features we have now? Yeah, I have a little bit. I have a tab group for blogging. So I have my WordPress tabs and, and things over there. And if I remember to switch to the tab group when I decide to do something, that's great. A lot of times I'll just open a new tab and start doing something and then think, oh, okay, now my... My WordPress is in with everything else. But. Yeah, I have my tab groups are all. I, it's chaotic, chaos because I just have I just I'm in different tab groups that like they don't mean anything anymore. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do like the um, iCloud tabs. There's a lot of times where I'll start reading something on my phone, and then I can go to the iPad and find the tab that's already open on my phone and just jump to it. So that's that's kind of nice. Yeah, I. I I want them to bring Safari to the watch in some way. We have, um, there is one WebKit watch app that is phenomenal, especially on the ultra size. And it'd be nice if we just had a basic version of synced Safari tabs where you'd just pull up. I don't know. I, I want that. Actually, that would be pretty cool. That would be, you know, especially if you're out and about and it, it was just that you were you were looking at that one thing before you left home and you, yes. just, you just need to glance at it again. That would be so nice. Yeah, I remember in the early days before we had the web browser app for Apple Watch, I would text myself an iMessage a link and then I would load it up in just the messages app. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Hey, because that works. Yeah, <laughs> yes. it was yeah, a bit cumbersome, definitely. but I would do that occasionally. I will say I'm one of those people that like the compact tabs in um, Safari, and I know that was quite controversial when yeah. it uh, when they, but I still like them. I, I've left them on, and uh, it works for me. Yeah. So as you do research for your blog posts, do you compile that in in like Apple Notes or DevonThink, or what, what kind of apps do you use for researching and storing information? Yeah, I. I just use Apple Notes for that as well. Mm -hmm. I've I've got a kind of a folder structure and a tag system to keep track of those things. I have a shortcut that I use that um, it's kind of got a dual purpose. It's in the dock. And so if I'm doing something and I don't want to get out of what I'm doing, I can just tap the shortcut in, in my dock and it says, what blog is this idea for? And I choose and then I can type notes and it just puts it in the right place. Um, but it'll also accept links from Safari. So if I'm in Safari and here's something that I want to remember for a post, I can just tap my shortcut and it'll take the link and put it into a note in the right place again. Um, and that works, that works pretty well. Um, I usually just have one note per blog post that I'm writing with just a bunch of links and a bunch of ideas and notes. I don't, I don't like to have a whole set of notes related to one thing. So yeah, Apple um, notes, you can do so much in that, that app. It is. Yeah. It, it's, wild. it's crazy. Let it's another, scan, let me, let's one. scan it's, a document. Why not? <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> it's just, that's another one where that and reminders, just the last few releases, especially they, they're really turning those things into real full fledged apps that are not, you know, a lot of times on Apple 
default apps, they're nice apps, but they're pretty basic and they're, they're meant to get the basics done. And then you've got all these third parties to choose from these, these two especially have really turned into full featured apps. Yeah. Great. Yeah. The notes app started as this weird IMAP uh, thing and now it's (laughs) yes, Yes. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's kind of unfortunate that it still supports that because I've had family members that have accidentally gotten their notes stuck into some email accounts, you know, IMAP it's just, it's just kind of a, a mess to try to walk through over the phone with somebody. Yes. Let's fix this. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, finance and expense tracking, um, are you using a dedicated app meant for this or, uh, you know, numbers or. Uh, for me, it's just a numbers spreadsheet. I, I download, um, CSV files for, for various accounts, uh, every month and then paste them into my spreadsheet. Um, that, and that works, that works really well. It's, I'd love to automate this more because it's yeah. a lot of manual steps right now to download. And each, each, uh, account has a different format in their CSV. And so I have to deal with that. And, and, uh, I haven't spent any time trying to automate that yet, but it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward. So once that data is in there, are you graphing it out, cross-linking the CSVs, or is it just having the data all in one place if you need to reference it later? No, I have, I've got several tabs. So I have a, uh, I got a main tab that, that categorizes all of my expenses and there's a graph and uh, here's what the budget is and how close we are to the budget. Um, and, then I also have a another another tab or sheet or whatever um, that has categories and the descriptions that come from the various downloads and will match a description to a category. So it will a lot of times automatically categorize. So if I download a bunch of credit card transactions, say it's from uh, Whole Foods, it'll see that Whole Foods is in the description and just automatically categorize it as groceries. Um, so it, it, it's, it does some fancy things, yeah. but, uh, it works. It's, it's still pretty straightforward. It's, it's nothing yeah. really crazy. It'd be interesting if Apple, so with Apple card, they do the automatic categorizations, but it would be kind of interesting if they had a more manual way of doing that, where let me have five virtual Apple cards and when I'm doing anything food related, let me just tap to pay with that one. And if I'm doing anything transportation related, gas or whatever me- mechanics, let me tap this other one. And that'd be an interesting approach. I don't know if that'd be just too complicated to do for them. That is that, that is a cool idea because it is the whole categorization thing is, is kind of all over the place depending on, I mean, every company has their own way. I mean, I often get things automatically categorized from, from a credit card company as like baby baby goods and I don't have a baby and it's, and it's, and it's, you know, it's from, it's from a healthcare provider or something. And I just think, Oh my gosh, this is so, yeah. If, if you could tell it, look, use this card and this card is always for these types of transactions. That would be really nice actually. Yeah. The Apple card really impressed me when I was in Italy, I was looking back at those transactions. It gives you the map. It gives you the exchange rate, what you paid in euros and what it ended up being in USD. And I was looking at um, other people in my family's transactions and they don't give you any of that kind of information, but Apple's like, here's you know, a very, very detailed, like, it's a great, if you're going internationally, a great card just to like have all the information about each transaction. And, uh, oh, I yeah. think that would be awesome. I don't have, I don't have an Apple card, but 
Um, I was, I was also just in Italy. I think, I think we were in Italy at the same time <laughs> as it turns out. That's wild. Um, but coming home and going through the credit cards, uh, some of the, some of the transactions are just impossible to even figure out what it was. Yes. And uh, having <laughs> that extra information would be so helpful that that would be cool. Yeah. No, um, that's something they were doing pretty, pretty well with that partnership that Goldman doesn't want to be in anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so photo and video editing is next up on the list here. And, uh, yeah, this is something I got into big time when my daughter, uh, was born, uh, you know, gotta be the dad that documents everything. So of course, um, got of the course. fancy camera and learned all about photo editing and, um, what's, uh, are you photo editing iPhone photos or do you have, um, fancy cameras as well? Or, uh, right now it's just iPhone photos. Mm-hmm. I had a fancy camera for years, loved it. Um, you know, fancy lenses, yes. tripods, all these, all these things. But the last several years, all of that stuff is just set in a box. And yeah. I found that the iPhone is is good enough for what I need. So I just recently sold all of that stuff a couple months ago. And yeah, now it's all I have is the iPhone. So it has to has to handle it all. Yeah, um, and, and that's, that's gotten really good. The, the later iPhones. Um, what's your current? uh model you're on now i have a iphone 15 pro the regular size, the regular size yep yes <laughs> and that was a big that was a tough choice between the, the and that 5x and... lens it's a lot of fun um yeah it is you have you have the you have the max yes yes yeah mm. i i decided that uh i've always had the smaller one it fits in my pocket well and so yeah. i had the uh, mini well. and then i went to the 14 pro max that was my uh oh wow that's a big change i, I like either really small or let's just go all the way if i'm gonna have a mini, you know. yeah but it's still even with the 3x camera it uh i was on this trip it was a long trip i took a lot of pictures yeah. and there were very few cases where i thought oh i'd love to have a 5x lens over what i had so it, yeah at least for me it worked out great that's awesome yeah yeah. Are you doing any um, raw captures, or are you d- mainly doing the normal stuff? You know, it's it's mainly the normal stuff. I I have the Halide camera app, and uh, when I had my fancy camera, I shot in raw all the time and would spend a lot of time with uh, with edits and and all of that afterwards. But maybe I've just gotten lazy. I I just use regular settings most of the time i kind of have this this desire to get back into doing some raw and playing around with some of that but i just i haven't yet yeah i just haven't yeah i mainly do on the 15 pro i've been doing more of the 24 megapixel that seems like a nice happy medium um and i do occasionally i'll throw it in the raw mode because it is fun sometimes to do some very artistic things with like my cat has like a flower in her collar and i'll make it black and white except for the flower and oh, do stuff yeah. like that like that's cool um yeah so it is fun every now and then but those files are i've i've, I've some like 120 megabyte photos like yeah wild. yeah it's crazy yeah, yeah it is it so is. you can't do that all the time no no yeah no oh what apps do you use if you do want to touch stuff up um photography wise uh most of the time i use photomator mm-hmm um, yeah, it's my favorite app do, out there. Like, there's I've I've used them all. That's my favorite. Just the UI it, and yeah. the feature set. It's it's great. It is. It's 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 wonderful. And um, I usually I, I don't do a lot. I mean, I do some crops, exposure, highlights, and shadows. Um, sometimes color adjustments. 
just to try to get the right the right look depending on what I'm doing with it. But uh, I know there's I, I go I scroll through some of the settings sometimes in Photomator and think I need to spend more time like learning some of these you know the curves and 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 changing all of these things. But I don't delve into that very often. Yeah, and their machine learning stuff's cool. Like um, the increased resolution can be cool. Sometimes it's not useful. Sometimes it's super useful. It just depends what you're yes. doing. Yes. I've just played with that the other day on something and was pretty impressed with with the outcome. And the machine learning that just does the auto, um, I don't even remember what they call it, the magic. Uh, yeah, the, it adjusts all the different sliders properly. Yes. That, that's yeah. a really good job. Sometimes I change it around a bit, but it gives me a good starting point for sure. Yeah, yeah, me too. I've been impressed with it a lot. Yeah. And um, video editing, uh, file cut, I believe you're starting to dabble with. Uh, I'm st- <laughs> Starting to, I don't do a lot of videos, um, but I kind of want to. And I, and so uh, before this last trip that I took, I was watching some travel videos um, to the, just to learn about some of the places I was going to go. And I, I was paying attention to the video and how they put it together. And, and I thought, wow, instead of just taking photos all the time, I should take some videos so I could weave together kind of an interesting and um, so I did take video this time on this trip, and I I haven't really gotten to it yet because I've only been back about a week or so. But I, yeah, I downloaded Final Cut Pro and I started the tutorials. There's some tutorials that they include and haven't gotten very far yet, but I'd love to spend some time with it and see what I can put together. Yeah, no, it's a it's a cool app. I like you. I, I don't do a lot of video. I would love to find more excuses to do video because it's... Uh, <laughs> It's a fun thing to do video editing when you have sub, you know, stuff to cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems it seems like it. I've I've put together uh, some family videos of we'll get together with a bunch of extended family, and I'll take a lot of just still photos and some videos. And those years ago, I would just use iMovie and put put the photos in and weave in some of the video and add some music, and and uh, that was always kind of fun. It's pretty limited what you can do, so be kind of fun to learn more about real photo editing you know, yeah. or real video editing. Yeah. Once the 12 mini came out, I started taking a lot more videos cause that's when H Dolby vision videos came and those just look so good on the phone. Just with HDR brains, everything up. It's like, yeah, yeah, they do. They're awesome. Yeah. And then, uh, the iPod died a while ago, as we all know, <laughs> <laughs> I yes. still have, uh, yes. you know, a good 50 or 60 of them probably somewhere. In the house. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, yeah, I, I love that that device. But Oh, yeah, um, me too. I had most of those too, but I don't, yeah. I don't have any left. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I, I collected every uh, generation of every model because it's funny. iPods, like at least when I was collecting them, they weren't expensive. <laughs> like an iPhone is a good thousand bucks. An iPod... 50 bucks yeah 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 or less depending on you know shuffles get those for 15 bucks something like that yeah yeah Yeah. and still great sound yes and and yeah Yeah. no yeah yeah, they're they're great single purpose devices and i I love a good single purpose device like yeah absolutely Um, absolutely but um the ipad uh, for me at least has become a listening device for sure as well as the iphone um I, I use a USB-C DAC when I really want to get into the craziness and just sit down and just all I'm doing is listening. Um, oh, are wow. you doing anything like that? Or are you just enjoying just the, the standard out-of-the-box uh, experience? 
just the standard out of the box experience. Um, I've got iPod, I've got um, AirPods Pro two, and I have some AirPods Max both. Nice, yeah. And um, they both, to me, sound really good, and and for for my purposes, are excellent for for listening. I use Apple Music and just sit and listen, and those are awesome. Yeah, they sound great. Um, and and. Um, I recently discovered the Star Wars original trilogy soundtracks got remastered in Dolby Atmos. And with AirPods Max, that is a cool experience. I would recommend if you're, (laughs) if you're in the movie soundtracks, uh, that's a a really cool Dolby Atmos spatial audio uh, experience. Uh, Oh, I'm going to definitely have to, I'm going to have to try that. I've, I've, you know, I've sort of had, uh, an interesting experience with Dolby Atmos music. And I don't know if it's just me. Um, I recently got the the new HomePods, the full-size ones. I have them in a stereo pair. And by default, when I set them up, they had Dolby Atmos turned on. And I was listening to some music, and I thought, this just doesn't sound great. I, I couldn't figure out what it was. It just, it just it didn't have a lot of volume. It didn't have a lot of depth. I, I just thought, this is really weird. I went in and turned Dolby Atmos off for those things, and now everything sounds fantastic. And so I started playing around with it. And at least for me, what I found was there are certain songs that sounded fantastic in Atmos, like they were mixed really, really well. And then there were a lot of others that just didn't. And so for me, I, I've got it turned off right now. I, I I don't know if we're in this phase where we need to wait until <laughs> more music is 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 mastered and produced in the correct way to really take advantage of Atmos or what it is. But yeah, I think it, I think movie soundtracks are great because they're already mastered for 5.1 anyways. So yes. I think that's the best use of it currently. <clears throat> I think some jazz is well done, but yeah. Um, and then another one that dark side of the moon, pink Floyd that was mastered a long time ago for SACD surround and I think it translates pretty well into the current Apple Music uh, mix as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. That I was one of the cool. weirdos in high school who had a super audio CD player. Oh, did you? Uh, oh, wow. With a five, 5.1 mix in my bedroom that my siblings wow. were not impressed with because uh, I would crank <laughs> that thing. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's um, awesome. So, yeah, I have a handful of those uh, CDs still. and They're in storage right now, but, uh, yeah, the amazing uh, uh oh yeah, that, I, yeah I remember back. when they i remember when they came out and i just uh i i thought wow i need to get one i never did but i i, I wanted to get yes one. and they have the high yes. a lot of them are hybrid discs where they work as regular cds if you don't have an sacd which is very smart on sony's end but uh that was like the last hurrah and then we're just all in the digital right now <laughs> yeah yeah Anything else uh, as far as what you do on iPad that we haven't really touched on yet? Um, I think we've covered much of. I think we have. I I mean, it's really everything. So we've we've covered all the all the main things. Obviously, there's all the you know the little oh I have a I have a HomeKit based home and I yes. use the iPad to mess with that and and uh, but but yeah those are we we covered all the excellent topics yeah. As far as um, 
the general discourse around uh, iPad. How are you <laughs> finding that these days? Uh, we we had the golden era where the Macs were all terrible, and now that the Macs stole the iPad chips, uh, everyone seems yeah. to think the iPads uh, no good anymore. Oh, it's 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 interesting to me. It's interesting because it seems there's this, at least lately, a yearly cycle where it's quiet and people are just happy with with what yeah. they have, yeah. and then. For some reason, I don't know if it's always around WWDC, but then there's all of a sudden a, a spate of articles that come out that talk about how the iPad is dead or the or the iPad can't do real work and and just all these things. And I I sometimes am amused. I'm sometimes annoyed. <laughs> I, I mean, to me, it's I don't quite. Well, if I were being totally cynical, I would say it's a slow news cycle. And so we need clicks. And so let's make some outrageous, ridiculous headlines. So people will click on it. iPad's dead, you know, or something like that. But I think maybe it's just more that we're in this continuing evolution of computing and, and it used to always be PC and Mac and they did everything and that's all there was. And now for the last many years, we've had this evolution happening with the iPad and more and more people, are finding that the iPad is just what they need for everything. It's, it's, yeah. it's plenty. And the more features that Apple has added and the more apps that have come out, that's become, that's become a reality for so many more people, which I think is great. And I'm, I'm totally, I mean, I'm so excited that Apple continues to invest heavily in the Mac and in the iPad. Cause they're both awesome. I love, I love the Mac. I, I, I have for a long time, but it's just odd to me that some people get so worked up about needing to tell you how your your computing device is not good enough, even though for you it's plenty good enough. And it's funny. Know, it, I think for the longest time it was they were afraid the Mac would be killed by the iPad, which was a fear at one time. But yes. I think those days are long gone. <laughs> this is like I, I think so too. Yeah. I and you're right. Actually, I hadn't even really thought about that. You're right. There for the for a while there. Apple would say things like the iPad is the best expression of the future of computing, which sort of does make you think, you know, maybe the, and, and those were the Intel days when Apple had such little control over what was going on in the, in their chips, both GPU and CPU. And they had some horrible could, hardware decisions otherwise with their keyboards and. Uh, yes. Yes. Other yes, exactly. Yes. It they had like the maybe... aspirational trash can, which I kind of want one at some point because they are very cute. And <laughs> yes. It's like a G4 cube. You just kind of want one in your house. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So, you know, lately they've, they've sort of switched that up to the iPad as our most versatile device. Yeah. I like that. I like that phrasing. Um, and I think it is. And I agree with that. And maybe we'll see less of, all this consternation about the, I, I doubt it. I, yeah. Once I the vision just, pro comes out, that'll be a whole nother thing. Oh, that'll be a whole nother yeah, thing. The, yeah. You're right. Remove the focus from the iPad, the vision pro. Yes. Will be, you can't do real work on the vision. Yeah. Pro. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I look at it and I, I think, wow, choice is wonderful. Apple's giving us choices for the kind of device that works best for us. And they're investing in both. And uh, there was some recent YouTube video I won't mention sure. uh, which one, but that was, I think the, the, the title was the iPad is dead or, or something like that, that, you know, it's kind of implying that Apple isn't investing in it anymore because they, there weren't new iPads this year or something. And I, and I just thought, yeah, but just look at all the things in the last 
even two years or three years and you've, you know, you've got things, you, you've got all of this software, which really makes the experience that mm-hmm. from Apple and others that have, I mean, changed the game and you, you've got DaVinci Resolve, you've got Final Cut Pro, you've got Logic, you've got Playgrounds, you've got all these super powerful apps now. And Sage Manager, they cleaned it up where it, it's a lot of fun to use now. Um, absolutely. You get external monitor, you get stage manager, you've got mouse and keyboard, really good mouse and keyboard yeah, support. External webcams. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, exactly. It's just, yeah. It, did it have all of those things on day one? No. Uh, was there a period where, uh, you couldn't do a lot of things? Yes. But boy, to yeah. try to imply that it is stagnant or even dead is just kind of crazy to me. Yeah, it's it's yeah. The iPad generally is on eighteen month cycles for like the Mini and the Pro and the Air, and then the regular one normally is every twelve months. But it kind of feels like last year they did the iPhone ten thing, and here's the cheap iPad of the future, and we'll release this. <laughs> uh, yes, and then next year maybe we'll rejigger things and have a fresh strategy with everything, hardware wise. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I hope they do. I hope they kind of clean up the. The, the message is a little bit muddy. They have, they have too many, you know, the, the fact that the old iPad, uh, nine, yeah, the price point thing is just like, it, they're, they're trying to get a price point, but they, they're struggling with that. I see. But yes. Yeah. It's eat, eat the margins for a little bit. That's fine. Yes. yes eat it. Exactly. Eat it. Give us a good iPad at a cheap price point for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. They can afford it. They can. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Yeah. It's yeah. And, and the versatility is something that is really powerful. The iPad, like right now, it's acting as like a simplified Mac hooked up to these external display. This external display, it can be a laptop uh, or a tablet, and you know it just morphs into all these form factors really fluidly. Yeah, yeah, it does. It's it's kind of amazing to to kind of weigh the versatility versus how much power a device has since Apple started adding the M chips to the iPad, the power uh, has gone up substantially. Yeah. Not as much as a Mac, of course, No, but you, you kind of mix that with the versatility and you've got a device that really can do for a lot of people, everything, even, even beyond just the simple tasks that in the past you'd say, well, if you're, if you're doing web browsing and email and some notes, that's then the iPad's fine, but anything else you really want a, a Mac and, now we're in in a world where no, actually, the uh, the line that differentiates um, professional high end just keeps shifting to the right, to the right, and I think that's great because because you get a you get a device, a versatile device that isn't as limiting as it used to be. That's yeah, and if you're an artist, I mean, Apple Pencil, it's it's, I mean, there's no no brainer. You'd want an iPad at least as yes. far as your computer regimen <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and so t- i guess going wh- what was your mac were you a laptop guy or desktop um i have had <laughs> most recently uh, right now i have a, i have an m1 uh pro okay macbook pro macbook, MacBook yep. pro with an m1 well with an m1 max actually <laughs> yeah which sits on my desk and doesn't ever get used anymore so it's uh I yeah. maybe I shouldn't have bought that one. Um <laughs> so I've had laptops for for a while but I also had the 27-inch iMac uh 5K. I've had a Mac Mini. Um 
yeah. But yeah. right now, the, the my Mac is is a MacBook Pro. Gotcha. And, yeah. yeah. I kind of wish the Mac uh, Mini and the Mac Studio still had a optical drive slot at the top of that thing. Like I know oh, that that'd be wild. <laughs> I know why they don't do it, but you know it's such yeah. a perfect form factor for that. It is. There's there's probably space for the drive in there. Probably, yeah. Yeah, um, that'd be an yeah. interesting add-on option for five hundred dollars. You can add a CD drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Knowing Apple's pricing, you know, it's a yes. different case and all that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it would be. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Anything else uh, you want to touch on before we wrap it up? Um. No. I. I. Uh, I've really enjoyed being on. As I said, this is my first podcast, so it was. I. It was. It was a lot of fun. I appreciate you having me, and uh, we we got to talk a lot of uh, about a lot of really interesting things. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. This has been a, a fun, fun chat, and I'm um, looking forward to sharing this with everybody as they're doing their drives across country for family <laughs> for thanksgiving yes, yes. <laughs> yeah absolutely so yeah. uh where can people follow you online you mentioned mastodon earlier in uh two different websites oh yes um on mastodon i am uh cope rob c-o-p-e-r-o-b at uh, mastodon.social and my blog is at wordsfromrob.com and my tech talk for if anyone wants to point family members for mm-hmm. that, that are not super techie uh, is robstechtalk.com. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Rob. Really do appreciate your time today. Yeah, thank you, Tim. Appreciate it. Well, that was my discussion with Rob. My thanks to Rob for his time recording this episode. My thanks to you for your time and attention tuning in. And finally, my thanks to Agenda for sponsoring this episode of Apple Pros. Learn more at www.agenda.com and download the app today for free from the App Store to get started. With that, I'll talk to everyone again real soon.